All right. Well, can you guys give a round of applause? Kaylee's going to come up here, and she's going to introduce um, today's a special night, student preaching night. And so Kaylee's going to talk to us briefly about that and kick us off. Yes, we are super excited that tonight we're going to have a couple of our students um, be preaching. Unfortunately, one of our students is sick who had prepared a sermon and won't be here tonight of the three students. So we're super sad about that and praying that she feels better. Um, But I will be kicking us off. Um, We're each going to do about eight to ten minute sermons um, and then go to small groups. Uh, So tonight we're going to be in the book of James. Um, I know a couple weeks ago I was reading uh, and preaching in James chapter 2. We're going to go back uh, to James chapter 1 and just talk through through that. So um, I'm going to start off in prayer. Uh, Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for um, the students that will be preaching in a little bit. Thank you for their hearts and for their faithfulness of putting sermons together, Lord. Um, Thank you for just grace. Um, We won't do it perfectly, but we do desire to honor you and to preach your word faithfully, Lord. Um, Thank you for everybody that's here. I pray that you would help them to just hear whatever word it is that you have for them tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm going to start off by giving you guys some context um, for James. So the author of the letter of James is James. And he is the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, From the Gospels, we know that James was not initially a believer in Jesus uh, during his public ministry, but we do know that James saw the resurrected Christ and was among those who were awaiting the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Uh, Luke tells us in the book of Acts that James was one of the chief leaders of the church in Jerusalem and is one of the pillars of the original church. Uh, In the opening of his letter, James tells us who he's writing to. James 1.1 addresses to the 12 tribes uh, scattered among the nations. So from this address and from how James wrote his letter, it is apparent that the audience he's writing to is Jewish Christians. Um, And because of James' position in the church, he was highly esteemed by the Jews. And so he wrote in such a way that conveys the absoluteness of his message, and he writes with authority. The book of James is well known for being the least doctrinal and most practical book in the New Testament. It is saturated with the teachings of Jesus uh, from his Sermon on the Mount. The reason James wrote this letter was because the Jewish Christians were undergoing severe trials and were experiencing spiritual failures. So this, con- this letter contains rebuking, correction, warnings, instructions, and exhortations about how to live a moral life as a faithful follower of Jesus. I'm going to give you guys just a super, super quick review of the beginning of chapter 1 as we're going to be starting about midway through. Um, so some point, main points that James makes as he begins the chapter is that we are to consider it pure joy when we're facing trials as Christians, when we go through hard circumstances um, and choose to endure and persevere through them, our character and spiritual maturity are built up. Paul also talks about how temptation does not come from God because every good and perfect gift is from God. He explains that Jesus was the ultimate perfect gift that we could ever receive. 
So with all of that context in mind, uh, let's look at the first couple of verses for our section in James tonight. So James chapter 1, starting in verse 19 through 21, says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So from these couple of verses, here's the main point that Paul is trying to make. Quick words that lead to anger don't please God. When we're angry, it's easy to speak from a place without thinking it through. These are in the heat of the moment types of words. So let me give you an example from my own life. Um, over the past seven years, um, my husband, Trevor, and I have had many, many, many disagreements. Um, there have been times when I have said hurtful things to him, very much so out of a place of anger. Um, when I would calm down after an argument or disagreement, I would always feel really bad because I had said something hurtful to the person I love and I didn't actually mean the words that I said. When I get angry, my words can be like a knife. Out of the heightened emotion, I can say things that hurt, that are belittling of the other person, that are truly unloving and unkind. And I'm sure many of us have experienced a situation like this. It's so, so easy to say and do things that we regret when we are in a state of anger and speak from that place. And this is why James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In situations when I get angry, I have found for me that it's best that I remove myself from the situation I allow myself time to calm down and I come back to a rational state of mind before I speak with that other person. So in this section of scripture, James is speaking to more than just a speech issue. He is speaking to a deeper issue, which is the heart. He is speaking to our sinful nature that we so often can allow to dominate our actions and our words. Proverbs 17, 27 says, The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. King Solomon was alluding to the truth that uncontrolled anger leads to uncontrolled speech. We can easily get lost in the heat of the moment and begin to let our emotions dictate our responses instead of allowing the wisdom of the Lord to guide and direct our words. Some psychologists believe that since emotions are simply a part of your personality, that you cannot control your emotions. You can only suppress or ignore them. James, along with many other different places in scripture, beg to question this conclusion. Yes, emotions are a part of who we are in our personality, but God isn't bound by our humanity. He is all-powerful and capable of redeeming what is broken by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts. 
we can, in fact, overcome our emotions and be transformed more and more into Christ-likeness. James says, he talks about why we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. James 1, 20 through 21 says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Human anger most often does not produce behavior that is pleasing to God. If this is true, then what hope is there for us? Thankfully, we serve a God who wants to be at work in our lives and wants to change your heart. We must do our part to submit to God and ask him to work on our hearts and a mind to be in alignment with his character and nature, which is slow to anger and patient. Here's the big idea for this section. As children of God, we are to reflect his nature by being slow to speak and slow to anger. And now here's Maisie for the next session. Hi, my name is Maisie Samuelson, and I've been attend. Hi, Reagan. <laughs> so I've been attending Bethel Youth for about four years, and I'm a freshman in high school. And my family has been attending Bethel Church for, I think, seven years. I don't know. Um, and, yeah, I'm just really excited to have this opportunity that uh, the youth team has given Kyan and I. So let's just go ahead and jump in. So our text tonight is James uh, chapter 1, 22, 22 through 25. And the main idea I want to summarize to, um, before I read the text is this. It is important to live out the word of God. Um, so with that in mind, let's read our text. James chapter 1, 22 through 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever intently looks into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So I think a question we need to ask ourselves is, am I living out the word of God in my daily life? James says, do not just listen to the word. When we go to church and we, like, we can sit through a sermon and be fully engaged and think, wow, this is great. But then we, go, we, then we forget everything by Tuesday and it's like the, serving, serving, <laughs> the sermon never happened. But here, James calls us out and tells us to do what it says. This is definitely a challenge for all Christians because we can't merely just listen to the word, but we need to take action as well. Jesus used the same point to conclude his Sermon on the Mount. He said, the one who heard the word without doing it was like the man who built his house on the sand. But the one who heard God's word and did it was like a man who built his house on the rock. The one who built, who both heard and did God's word could withstand every storm and hard, and hard time and trial that came his way. But the one who just listened and struggled, the one who just listened, struggled and could not withstand the storm. So you can find this in Matthew chapter 7, 24 through, um, verse 24 through 27. Later on, we see that James uses the analogy of a person who looks at his face and immediately forgets what he looks like. Using this analogy, we, when we read our Bible, the second we close it, we forget everything we just read and go about, go about our normal day. 
obviously we don't want to do this because more often than not, our plan does not match God's plan. In the last verse, James mentions that the law gives freedom. What does he mean by this? Well, when we are living out our life in our own way and not living by the gospel, we can be burdened and held captive by shame and guilt. We are constantly disappointed and are like the house built on the sand. But when we are living for God and living out his commands, we are set free from our guilt and shame, and God gives us freedom in him. And the only true freedom from guilt and shame is found in him. When we live out the word, we find this freedom, and this is what James meant by freedom. I want to illustrate all of this better to you with this. How many times have we watched a Healthy Habits video and thought, like, wow, this is great. I'm going to start doing this. But then the video ends, you forget all about it, and you go back to watching YouTube and eating Cheetos until 2 a.m. when you realize you have school in a few hours, so you try to sleep. The next thing you know, your alarm clock is going off, and you have an algebra test that day that you didn't study for because you said you'd get up early and study for tomorrow. (laughs) We've all been there, whether we're admitting it or not. We often get good advice but then never use it or just don't want to go through the effort of using it. A lot of the time we do this with the Bible. We read, a, we read our Bible. We maybe have a super good study. We might have some great self-reflection. But then we close it. We fall back to the same routines that we so desperately wanted to get away from. And then we go to school and we make the choice that we said we'd never do. Because it was either, and we go back, we go back to our old routines and we make the choice to go back because, well, The new way is just too much work, and it's easier. So a a question a few people might be asking is, how do we live out the word of God? These are high standards. How do we achieve that? How do we live up to such a high and unreachable standard? And the answer is, we don't. In the book of James, we are called to be perfect seven separate times. And... We, so in James, we are called to be perfect, but nobody's perfect. In the, the word perfect in James, when translated back to its roots, has a different meaning than today's word. Perfect really meant integrity and wholeness. Integrity and wholeness of our hearts and intentions is what matters. God knows we cannot be perfect, but he does know that we are capable of doing things in the right, with the right intentions and mindset. And messing up is just part of the journey as a human and a Christian. So what are ways we can live out the gospel or live out a Christ-like life? A few teachings within James say, speak with love. What this looks like is kind of self-explanatory, but it is kindness to others, choosing choosing to not let ourselves be clouded with the hurtful language of this world, lifting others up instead of tearing them down, speaking with love, and um, making an intention to show grace and forgiveness. The second thing I found was serving the poor. For this... It, it looks different for everybody. This might be serving in charities or programs that are making a difference. Or it could just be simply handing out hot chocolate on cold days. Whatever it may be, it shows love th- uh, the, shows the love of God through a way that is less obvious. The third one that I found was being fully devoted to God. This one sounds a bit intimidating if we're being honest. But in my study, I have found that a few ways we are fully devoted to God is submitting ourselves to him, prayer, worship, and praise. There's a lot more that I hope you'll find in your own studies and your own time. 
A question we can ask ourselves is, how am I living out God's word in my daily life? Is it obeying your parents, being nice to everyone, helping others at school? A goal we can constantly set and improve on is living out the gospel in our daily life. Because there are going to be times and places where we don't want to do that. So if we turn a bit further into James, in verse 22 of chapter 2, we see that James, while talking about Abraham offering Isaac, said, You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. While our faith isn't fully dependent on, while our faith isn't fully dependent on deeds, it's noted that taking action is a big part of our faith. Our faith and actions work together to help spread the gospel and be examples of Christ. So the big idea I want to share before we close, and I want everyone to take away, is this. As a Christian, we should not just read the gospel, but live it out in our daily life. Thank you. Nice job, Maisie. Good evening, everyone. My name is Kyan Porter. If you don't know already, um, I'm a... Um, I'm a freshman attending W. What? Okay. Uh, I'm a freshman attending WFS High School, and I've been attending this church for about four years now. I'm super excited to jump into this portion of text um, and the other stuff I have prepared. Um, and I'm thankful for Taylor and the youth leaders um, for even setting up youth group in the first place and having this experience for us. Um, and I'm thankful for this night um, that. We get to share these things. Um, so before I jump into the text, I know that Kaylee kind of explained and gave a quick debrief of what James was, but I have my own little explanation that I'd like to share with you. Um, it says, to give a bit of description, the book of James is a letter that James wrote containing the legacy of James's wisdom put into a short, powerful letter that I definitely recommend reading. Um, and without a further ado... Let's read James 1, 26 through 27. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep, and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that our God Father, God our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted. Now, as I was reading this, my main thought for um, this, like if I was to break it down and put it into a summary, would be be righteous in the ways you show kindness to others. Hello? Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry about that. Um, let me ask you this. Have you ever told your siblings, hey, if you do the dishes for me, I'll do the laundry for you. And they go out of their way to do the dishes for you, and you don't hold up your end of the deal, and then a fight breaks out, and then you get your phone taken away for two weeks, and then your life is gone for two weeks, and then you have it back after two weeks. Um, this this can sometimes be our relationship with Jesus. He, oh, my bad. Anyways, this can sometimes be our relationship with Jesus. He's gone and done all these great things. He's died on the cross for our sins. He did so many great things, and sometimes his work can be underappreciated. 
I make this mistake myself all the time because things happen and life gets in the way and we're all human and we all make mistakes, but it's super important to appreciate the work that Jesus has done for us. Um, this could be like by prayer, by reading your Bible, practicing repentance and worshiping in our daily lives. It's really important to have those things and practice those um, in our daily lives. Moving on, I have a quote I would like to share. Uh, this, as I was re going through and writing the sermon, um, I was using a commentary, and this is um, a quote from the guy who wrote the commentary. Your walk with God is useless if it does not translate into the way you live and into the way you treat others. Many are deceived in their own heart regarding the reality of their walk with God. David Guzik. This is such an amazing quote for this our society today. Because a lot of people, or wait, no, I'm not going to say that. Never mind. Um, it shows what really matters on how you honor God and the way you show kindness and you treat other people. Um, and giving hospitality to the other people. Um, it That really, really matters. Um, yeah. Um, adding on to kind of what my main thought is, um, I have another kind of part to my main thought. In order to grow in our faith and relationship with Jesus, it is necessary to pray, worship, and repent and educate ourselves in the work of God. Um, if you were there at LCYC that happened about a couple of weeks ago, uh, the pastor Levi really focused on his messages on repentance and that topic that comes up in the Bible. And I, I found it really heartwarming and um, felt to me. And it was really speaking and his message was really great. Um, so if you weren't there at LCYC, come next year. But anyways, um, I, I, he kind of inspired me to write this message too. Some of um, the things that he said are kind of integrated within this message. Um, great guy. Anyways, um, moving on. If there was one thing I want you to take away from the little small section that I just spoke, um, my big idea is this. True religion is not shown by hearing the word, but by doing it. Now, I have um, kind of a big idea that was um, sourced from me and Maisie's and Kaylee's um, sermon uh, that was kind of put together as a bigger big idea. Um, and it is, as Christians, we need to live and speak in a way that is in alignment with God's word. Can we just give a big round of applause to both Maisie and Kyan for coming up here and sharing God's word. That was so cool. So cool. Well, thank you guys, um, yeah, for just being faithful to share God's word. You guys did such 
a phenomenal job, and this was such a good text to go over as a youth group together. Um, so what we're going to do now is like we do every Wednesday night, we're going to go into small groups and talk about a few questions that uh, myself, Maisie, and Kyan all contributed to. So if you are in high school, you're on this side. If you're in middle school, you're on this side. Girls in the front, boys in the back, your youth leader will dismiss you.